from the Ron Miller Race Car Studio, this is the Hammer Down Racing Report. And now your hosts, Scott Hammer and Ron Miller. Welcome to the Hammer Down Racing Report for Thursday, May 21st. Show number 131. And you know what else today is? It's, it's May 21st. Yeah, what else is today? It's Donnie Walstead's birthday. It's uh, Jenny Crowder's birthday. And Larry Jewett's birthday as well? Absolutely, Larry Jewett's birthday. And it's Ron Miller's birthday. Happy birthday to you. Thank you, sir. Thank you for spending your birthday uh, with us in the show. And uh, uh, yeah. the guys over at uh, Sandusky Speedway were saying, uh, damn, 100 years long time. Yep, bet he can uh, tell some stories of the pandemic back in the day, right? Yeah, the very first one, the plague. Exactly. <laughs> well, happy birthday, sir. How old are you? 22? 35. All right, that's a good number. A race car or... Either me or the race car. One of us is 35. I, I can never remember. I'm going to have to update our uh, our uh, video intros since I don't know when we're going to get back to the actual Ron Miller Race Car Studio uh, coming to you from my place and your place and uh, everywhere in between, I suppose. On the show tonight, uh, we're going to have uh, Sean Stewart, Executive Director of the U.S. Motorsports Association. We're going to talk to him about the formation of the Ohio Motorsports Coalition and uh, what's being done to get racing back uh, here in Ohio and across the, the country. And there's some tracks that are starting up. Uh, Merritt's going to be racing this weekend up in uh, Michigan. With and I guess, I guess they're working with uh, some people in the grandstands. And I was hoping, yes, yes. And I was hoping to have a, a big announcement on uh, something a little closer to us here in Toledo. Uh, unfortunately, the, the things are still being worked out, I guess we can say. Scott, it seems as though in Ohio, they're, they're, the governor has kind of delegated everything to the uh, to the local health departments. and uh, Exactly. But we'll talk about that. Sandusky's got something uh, coming up here, not this weekend, but next weekend. Uh, so racing is it's slowly creeping back. And uh, like I said, we'll, we'll talk about all that. Uh, first, got a pay some bills and uh, make sure you go to Ron Miller race cars in Lambertville, Michigan, 734-856-7223. I still got to bring my car up there, get some service done. Yeah. Better hurry up. Time's getting short. <laughs> uh, we're, uh, we're effectively middle of April right now. All, uh, that's, that's where I see it. Has people, have people been uh, kind of dragging their feet, getting their car ready for the season this year since it's kind of been pushed back? Yeah, yeah, we, we've still got a few cars here that uh, have significant amount of work. All right, well, mine's easy, so it'll be quick. Uh, give Ron a call. We, we actually actually drove mine out of the trailer last weekend, and uh, Ornery Don's kind of dressing up the body a little bit. So, First time since uh, New Year's Day when you won the yeah, hangover? Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, if it's a winning car, why touch it? Uh, a little different setup. 734-856-7223. That is the number for Ron Miller, race cars, everything uh, you need, gift cards, whatever. Uh, thanks to Dean Henry, Big D's Pizza, and Clyde. Give them a call, 419-547-1444. Mention the Hammerdown Race Report. Save 10% off any order. Uh, thanks to Oakshade Raceway out in Wauseon, where the fastest meet to race every Saturday night when there's not a pandemic. But that may change soon. And also uh, Kester Mowing. Give uh, Steve Kester a call for all your lawn and landscaping needs. He does mowing, seeding, fertilizing, insect, weed control, and more. And uh, like I said, he, I had him do my landscaping a few weeks back, and uh, I, it, it, I like it. He did a good job. I don't know anything about plants and stuff, but uh, him and his crew were out here and done uh, right about lunchtime. So, and they did a lot. Uh, call Steve today at 419-466-3801. Tell him the Hammer Down Racing Report sent you. And if uh, you want to be a uh, sponsor of the show, get your name on our little scroll down here. Uh, you can uh, do so. Just uh, get a hold of me, uh, Scott Hammer at iHeartMedia. There you go. <laughs> .com. Or uh, shoot me a message on Facebook, however you want to get a hold of me. Uh, make sure to follow us on 
Twitter at Hammer Report. Uh, you can also follow us on, on YouTube and watch uh, rebroadcasts of these as well as on Facebook. Like us on there. I, I don't think I mentioned it, but we hit like uh, 2,000 likes a few weeks back. Um, so we're, we're doing pretty good. Yeah. Like yeah. That. Thank you. Oh, by the way, breaking news from Ron Miller Race Cars. We have. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Breaking news. Yeah. Hold on. La la actually, last Friday. Hold on. Yeah. We got a, we got uh, breaking news. All right, go on. What's your breaking news? That sounds like you stole that from CNN. No, I stole it from the radio station. Okay, cool. Um, we got our uh, our first pretty significant order of bomber tires in for the Oakshade guys, and uh, still got a good inventory. Quite a few have headed out, but uh, we're not quite racing yet. So when you you guys are ready for your bomber tires, we've got them. So that doesn't sound like breaking news to me. That sounds more like. Uh... Just an advertisement and shameless plug for Ron Miller race cars. Okay, it was a shameless plug. All right, well, coming up a little I'm bit like later. Kyle Bush, I can take it. <laughs> we'll have uh, all the latest racing news. Uh, lots, uh, lots of NASCAR this week. Even uh, just before we came on, the Xfinity race uh, finished up, and it was a great finish to that. We'll talk about. Uh, but first, let's get to our guest this week. Let's uh, unmute him and bring him in here. We have. Sean Stewart, again, the executive director of U.S. Motorsports Association. Uh, before we get to the Ohio Coalition, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and the uh, U.S. Motorsports Association, what it is you guys do and, and how, how everything works. Yeah, well, thanks for having us, uh, having us on here. We appreciate it. It's good to be here. We're uh, the U.S. Motorsports Association. We're about five years old. Uh, we were founded... Uh, five years ago by kind of a coalition of companies that came together from Lucas Oil to Optima Batteries to Safety Clean that recycles fluids uh, all over the, the country at different tracks. And, and what we saw was just this long, ongoing um, void in grassroots racing. And the void meaning uh, lack of uh, organization and, and representation for grassroots racing. A lot of small tracks that are uh, family-run businesses that that don't have a, a lobbying group or don't have a, a, a big organization that's out there trying to, to uh, advocate for them. So we decided it was time to, to form the U.S. Motorsports Association, and we really focus uh, on that. Long before this pandemic, we, we focused on mostly grassroots and mostly state and local level, getting relationships established between everyone from the county commissioner all the way up to state reps and federal as well, but mostly state and local level. Uh, politicians, getting them out to events, trying to turn them to race fans. But if they don't become race fans, we're okay with that. As long as they establish a relationship between the track and, and between the, uh, the public officials. So that's been our goal for years. Um, that's what we've been working on and doing all over the country. And when this pandemic hit, it became a state and local level issue. And uh, we really went into action right away. We've been working 15 hour days around here just to try to keep up with all the changes and that kind of thing. But we were really positioned. It was almost as if uh, God knew years ago we were created for this for this moment here because it's just been uh, busier than ever with the phone ringing nonstop. Sean, are you uh, are you primarily an informative group or do you actually have lobbyists that are talking to some of our legislators? So we don't have registered lobbyists, but we have a political team led by uh, Robert Johnson. He's actually based in Pennsylvania, and uh, he works all over the country. He's been in state and local level politics for years, also understands the racing industry really well. We're kind of always in the belief that you don't need big, high-paying lobbyists or lawyers or things to get things done. It's a relationship game, especially on that state and local level. Uh, a lot of tracks just don't reach out to their county commissioners throughout the year. But these are, you know, we focus on national politics, which is just insane. And and the local level, though, uh, the county commissioner more than likely owns a business in town and that kind of thing. They can help you with so many things. So we really are the bridge, if you will, between the tracks, the small businesses, businesses like yours, Ron, and, and really getting that local level and state level politician to understand who we really are. There's a, there's a negative perception out there that we're 
noisy and dirty and, and you know all unsophisticated and all these kinds of things. So we try to change that perception by way of building relationships. And then when there is an issue, that noise complaint comes or whatever it may be, they can pick up the phone and call that track owner, that promoter. They have a relationship with the whole COVID-19 thing. We are definitely seeing the tracks that had good relationships established uh, are, are getting things done more so than the ones that, that didn't have a relationship there. Are you working to guide some of the tracks through this whole mess? Yeah, so Robert, he actually called me right when state started going on lockdowns. He called me and he said, racing's going to need our help, and they're going to go to the back of the line. And and he was right. We we're going to get shoved to the back yeah. of the line. We're you know, It's like, hey, we're going to deal with everything else long before we get to racing uh, because they picture racing as 50,000 people in the stands. Of course, we're not going to do that right now. So we went into action pretty quickly. Uh, we formed a lot of leadership teams. We have a drag racing leadership team, a motocross one, circle track, really tried to bring experts uh, from scientists and doctors to racetrack promoters, owners, and came together pretty quickly and came up with what we call the COVID-19 toolkit. So if you go to our, our website, I'll get my own shameless plug here to uh, save racing and you can click the uh, COVID-19 toolkit button. It gives you a five-step, very detailed plan on how to reach out to your local officials, which ones are important. What's, uh, that, uh, what's that website? The website Save Racing. That's the easiest way to get there. And dot com? Yep, saveracing.com. And you go click the COVID-19 toolkit button that's free to use. There's all kinds of templates there, health plans. Lots of tracks around the country have been using those as a, as a guideline for themselves to, to take to the health department and then try to get racing reopened. Cool. Now, where exactly are you based out of? So uh, the USMA is headquartered in just north of Charlotte, North Carolina. So we're in Mooresville, North Carolina. Race City, USA, they call it, is where we're headquartered. But we operate all over the, all over the country. And uh, we were kind of on a path over the next year or two, we wanted to start establishing state coalitions. Uh, that's something we've been working towards and was we were going to kind of do that slowly. And that's turned into, you know, creating these things overnight. So we had the template there. It's just a matter of, of getting them done. It, it, we were getting flooded with calls uh, from, you know, a dirt track to a racetrack to a motocross park, all with different problems, but similarities from the same state. So in Ohio in particular, uh, we decided, hey, let's let's form a coalition. Let's get on a united front and let's try to move some things along uh, under a united front, under a way that politicians kind of understand. They understand coalitions. They understand uh, some of those things. So we've been doing the best we can to organize quickly and, and try to try to be heard. Now, uh, the Ohio Motorsports Coalition, that's that's been formed. Who? What is that compromised of? And And if somebody wants to be more involved in it, how can they uh, get involved in that? Yeah, so great question. We, we formed it pretty quickly. Um, we're working towards getting a, a website up just for that and that kind of thing. Um, we've got, I think, about 40 or 50 different tracks and, and people involved in that uh, that have, you know, joined that coalition. And these are track owners, uh, promoters, uh, event people. Um, Bill Bader at Summit Motorsports Park has been a big, big part of that and in several tracks across the state from from all across the spectrum of racing. So right now we have a Facebook page up. It's just uh, Ohio Motorsports and you can you can find the Ohio Motorsports Coalition on there. We're asking you to like that page, just helping to grow our numbers. Um, you can go to our website and, and become a registered member of the USMA. There's no fee to do that for an individual. And what that does, it just grows our numbers. When we go in to talk to a politician, we can break that database down by a county. If we're meeting with a county commissioner, we can say we have X amount of people in your district that you know are, are members of ours for, for motorsports. So those numbers are hugely important. Now, have, uh, has there been any action taking, taken by the uh, Ohio Motorsports Coalition as far as uh, getting racing back here in the state of Ohio? Yeah, we did. We, we put a formal letter together from the coalition. We got that uh, submitted into the state, to the governor's office, 
and we've been asking to be put on um, their task force. I think it's a different name, and I apologize. We're dealing with 40 states at once that all have some form of a task force or reopening plan, and they have these mm -hmm. advisory groups. We found one for outdoor recreation and entertainment, and when you look at the list of who's on there, there's all kinds of associations that represent everything from camping to hiking to horseback riding and, and so on. And so we feel we absolutely have no reason that we shouldn't have representation on there. Um, we would put, not myself, not being in Ohio, we would put actual track owners uh, and promoters that would you know go and sit on that advisory group and try to help guide them in reopening. So we've done that. Uh, we've been reaching out to a lot of uh, state uh, representatives, state senators, trying to get trying to find a champion there who will move things forward. We've, we've found some of those in other states, uh, but I'll be honest, it's, it's been a bit of a struggle. This is a, a tough, tough thing. I don't want to paint a, a, a rainbow on it. It's been a challenge to find uh, state reps and state senators that will, will carry the motorsports message for us. So we're, we're, we're all options are on the table right now. Put it, that way. it sounds like uh, there's a Sean one. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ryan. Okay. Uh, one of our, our race directors is uh, watching, and uh, he wonders if you've got a gut feeling as to when we might uh, get some fans. So, very tough question to ask and, and to answer because it's a mixed bag. That's why I asked that. Yeah, yeah. Um, here's, here's what I see just as a whole across the country. The tide is turning. It, it was kind of doom and gloom, shut everything down. Then it was racetracks will maybe never open again. You know, there was that kind of, it was that doom and gloom of maybe we'll never have a concert. That started to shift. And over the last, this thing changes, by the way. I mean, we can talk again tomorrow night and I'll probably have a whole bunch of different things. To Absolutely. Say. You know, I say we we all kind of joke here. We, we get up in the morning. It seems like a normal day. Then we remember we're living in a real episode of the Twilight Zone. And we kind of, kind of unfolds in just this bizarre uh, change of events. I mean, it is a roller coaster ride. We're defeated one minute. We get a call. This didn't work out, or this track we thought was going to open didn't. And then we get a call. Some track we thought would never open is moving along. So I can say this. There is a shift in the tide right now, and you're seeing it in Ohio with some lawsuits that had some success. And I think the tide is shifting that we've got to reopen as a country and that means everybody and that includes racetracks that you know and so we're seeing more test and tunes we are having some events with fans and we're showing you know and we're encouraging tracks to show that hey we can do this we can follow cdc guidelines we can do all of those things we've got tons of space and we can do it better than probably a lot of other events in town so i see light coming up over the horizon I do think that we're going to get back uh, to, to racing. My, my, maybe it's just my uh, patriotic belief, but I think by July 4th, we're going to see, you know, throughout the month of June, that tide and that wave really grow of, of reopening and getting fans back in. Um, if you think about it, you take a track, if you take your maximum capacity, that you're probably not hitting every Saturday night, if you're honest with yourself, and you, and you present that plan that here's my maximum capacity, you can go 25% or 50% and hopefully start to, to make some money, have a good track record going, not have any problems, and then, and then see that move forward. It is as quick as we shut down and as quick as the doom and gloom came, I see that tide turning and, and we're starting to, to reopen. So I think it's, it is positive on the horizon, I hope. Is it and it's pretty amazing because those numbers, uh, I'm – pretty politically active, and uh, what, Scott? <laughs> all right, <laughs> so that's an understatement. <laughs> anyway, um, all along I've thought that we would see racetracks opening around the first week of June, and, and I think we're pretty close to that. Um, and, and right now the states are pretty much mandating no no people in the stands, and, and I really think, and I haven't gone out on a limb with this one, but I'm thinking – early July, we're going to start seeing uh, probably a third uh, capacity allowed in the grandstands, which falls right between year 25 and 50%. So I think you guys are spot on. I think so. 
it also so quick. And, and one thing happens, the next thing happens. I mean, I saw in Ohio, now you can have a wedding with 300 people. Well, that's just kind of cracking things back open, and it could go even quicker. Um, you know, and then we've got some tracks that are just ignoring the governor's orders, uh, and they're they're going forward. We're not sitting here saying you should or shouldn't do that. We think no matter what you do, you need a good perception right now, masks, those kinds of things. I know even watching the NASCAR race, it may have looked like overkill, but we don't need the Monday morning folks saying, you know, here's these reckless racers. So I think to do a little overkill right now is a good thing. But we've got some tracks that opened against the orders. The police showed up, said, hey, we're here to tell you you're against the orders, and then they left. And they you know, they have literally said, we, we're not going to enforce these things. And that is, that is happening more and more around the country. So I think as other things open, I mean, we're trying to work as much as we can with other industries, not just racing, but, but other outdoor recreation industries to say, Hey, we've all got to get open. And, uh, and we are, we're, we're for every negative out there, we're starting to see things reopen. I think we will have fans in the stands, you know, this summer in, in a, you know, a, sizable capacity uh, it sounds like from the people i've been talking to that the tracks are have to work with their local health departments at least here in ohio uh, i'm assuming it's probably similar throughout the country uh, what advice would you give uh, racetrack owners uh, trying to put together proposals to to get back to racing uh, and what advice would you give uh, to race fans that are just kind of sitting out there hey, like hey when when can we go back to the track and watch some racing so I think for the tracks, I mean, to, to go to our site and, and use that COVID-19 uh, toolkit, it literally walks you in a five-step plan of who to contact, how to contact. It is different everywhere. So you can talk to one county and, and the health department director is fully in charge. You can talk to another county and they say, well, we're, we're not in charge. The governor's in charge. So it's all over the place. The right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing. And every county by county, state by state, it's a different situation. So we're encouraging tracks, go to our site, get some of those tools, at least get yourself a framework. Try your best to work with your county officials. Hopefully you have a good relationship there. If you don't, if you had some some bad relationship uh, in the past, it's time to you know kind of eat some humble pie and, and, and say, hey, we're here to work with you. A lot of success stories, though, we are seeing where the health department, they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do for, uh, you know, fairs and festivals and, and the racetracks are coming with a plan. And they've been thanked by the health department saying, hey, thank you. You're the first person to actually bring me a plan versus just asking me for one. So they don't always know what to do. I think it's important to remember that, you know, politicians, health department people, they don't always have the answers. And so the more we can guide them on that, the better. Um, and the more you can reach out for fans. I think it's important that, you know, you you reach out as well to your local officials and, and not yell at them or curse at them, but let them know the economics of racing, what this means to you, that this is what your family does. It's important to say that if we don't do this, we're not doing something else. So the, the, the community's losing uh, a huge economic value and that we want to get back out and, and we plan to be responsible and wear a mask, whether, you know, whatever your thought is on that. It's like in our minds is just put the thing on and, and let that be the social media pictures and all that. There you go. If, you know, I mean, I thought the, the, the so far the mask uh, award goes to, uh, Denny Hamlin there for just, you know, kind of making yes. the mask is on uh, and, and we can't fight all that right now. I think we've got to put a good perception, good image. Let's get things opened up and, and uh, you know, you can take the mask off later on. Very good. Uh, one thing that I've kind of seen uh, is that tracks that have been approved to go back to racing, they have all these strict rules and regulations, you know, and, and they need the kind of the, the fans and the racers help in abiding by those rules and kind of setting a good example and kind of saying, you know, this, we can do this and, and, and following the rules, whereas it'll become a problem where, you know, folks aren't following the rules and then they may shut down the track. Have you heard any, have you run into any issues like that with any of the tracks uh, that have uh, been allowed to run yet? Yeah, great question. I, I'll be honest, 
most of it's been positive. I mean, we have not had a lot of backtracking, meaning, you know, this went forward, then went backwards. It hasn't been two steps forward, one step backwards. It's more like, hey, you can't move forward. But then when you can take one step forward, we haven't seen a lot of backwards. We had a Tulsa Raceway Park in Oklahoma. They were one of the first to get approved all the way up to the governor. So all at the local level, health department, all the way up to the governor, had a very extensive plan that they built. Uh, they were approved at 50% fans. They went ahead and ran with 25% just, again, to not have any you know, neighbor complaints or anything like that. They could always come back and say we did even less than what we were required. They were very concerned of what you're saying is now we bring in the, you know, it's one thing to write the plan. It's another thing to bring racers in and fans in and then try to control all that. It certainly had to remind people, uh, you know, they had one guy could come to tech and those kinds of things. And, you know, people were forgetting, but they, they reported back that fans were excellent. Uh, the, the racers were excellent and, and that they really sent the message that, hey, if we want to go racing, we're going to have to do these things. Um, and they said that for the most part, they, they didn't have any issues. They had some great, they made national news actually that was positive. It showed America reopening and panned the grandstands that were very spread out. And uh, I think that's our perception right now is very important. So you guys have had a lot of work to do. And, and kind of like you said, uh, you, this is like the perfect situation for what you guys are created for and kind of a bridge between the governments and, and the tracks and kind of a, a voice, I guess, uh, to, to get that dialogue going between them, which is in, in these times very much needed. And uh, I guess we appreciate, uh, you know, what, what you're doing and, and trying to get uh, racing going. Yeah, thank you. I mean, we, we and I love this game. I've been in it for 20 years on all kinds of different uh, forms of it. But the grassroots racing side, if you think about it, we're probably, you know, you take NASCAR away and some of the big series racing across America from go-karts to dirt lay models to sprint cars to drag racing, you name it, is probably the biggest industry in America that nobody really knows or understand so that's that's really our mission and our goal is to make sure that um you know on that state and local level we're, we're heard where our economics are understood and really the importance of why we exist race fan or not a racetrack in your community is a, is a good thing well i race uh, i race in ohio and i uh, have a lot of customers there but i live in michigan uh not too far from the state line and uh, I know a couple of our Michigan promoters are watching tonight. Um, any thoughts for those poor folks? <laughs> I mean, it's it's state by state, but you know, it's it's uh, it's been a struggle. I mean, even within you know states like New Jersey and New York, I can you know I'm not going to name names, but there are some tracks that are racing that are kind of flying under the radar. Nobody's bugged them. There's other ones that have and been shut down. So, you know, again, I think you got to be persistent right now. We will get past this. But even if you're in, in Michigan and, you know, where the politics aren't favorable, um, you know, you have to look at all your options and, and be working with your local law enforcement and, and that local level. And, and, you know, if you run out of options, there are legal options, too. That's not what we do. But I think, you know, when I say all options are on the table right now, we have to Look at all that. We're, we're always the type of organization, again, it doesn't want big high paid lobbyists and lawyers and all that. But there is a time and place when, you know, you have to protect your business and, and make that one of your options. Well, it's, it's a real shame that uh, especially right now, racetracks need to be lawyered up. It is. It's it's sad. I mean, I can tell you, you know, this is the first time I've ever said that since since working with this group, because. We have countless tracks that have called us over the years that are either already involved with a lawyer or, or you know, they're, they're thinking that's their only option. And we always say, wait a minute, we can come in. Let's, let's work the, the back door here. And Robert, our government affairs director, is excellent at doing that. He, you, know, he'll, you know, you don't need all that. Let's, let's go get some conversations going and build your economic case and all that. This is different. I mean, we we are seeing, you know, yeah. when they say draconian measures, it's it's happening for real. However, that tide is turning. I mean, even in California, uh, where I'm originally from, I don't know if I should even admit that, but it's uh, 
the, the governor. Well, you were smart enough to leave. Uh, doesn't racing cause cancer in California? It, well, it does. I, I actually, every time I buy something and it says, you know, cause I always send it to my friends in California. Hey, I just want to protect you. I'm here with this chainsaw, but you need to watch out there. So, but the uh, the governor of California is starting to ease up. Like overnight, he's starting to ease up, and you know, a lot of that is pressure and things that's going on uh, behind the scenes. You know, and 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 we want to be one of those organizations that's heard. We're not asking to do anything reckless or you know do anything that's unsafe but you know the more we learn we we want to we want to make sure we're heard so you know the tide's turning it really is and i think you know as these politicians look at poll numbers and political pressure for example they were threatening to pull liquor license and things like that well as soon as the beer lobbyists hear that and the distributors hear that they're not going to want that to happen so there's a lot happening behind the scenes that uh you know we don't even see or know about but you know, they say one thing and then they get a call from the beer lobbyist that's writing them checks saying, I don't want liquor license pulled from, you know, racetracks across America, that kind of thing. So um, the tide's turning. We really believe it is. Well, again, we appreciate uh, everything you're doing. The website, again, saveracing.com, where you can get the uh, toolkit, the COVID-19 toolkit. Um, and uh, we appreciate you giving us the, the time here this evening. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. Again, there there is light at the end of the tunnel here, and we're here to help. And uh, we're not miracle workers, but we're doing everything we can. Again, thank you, Sean Stewart, Executive Director of U.S. Motorsports Association. Uh, and again, uh, the Ohio Motorsports Coalition, if uh, there's any tracks around here, people that want to get involved in that, how can they do that? It's at, at thesaveracing.com as well. Or is, what was that site? Yeah, or you can just go on Facebook, just look up the Ohio Motorsports Coalition and just like the page. That's where we're posting a lot of info. We'll have a, a website up specific for that group here soon and trying to work as quick as we can. But, yeah, those two places, the Ohio Motorsports Coalition on Facebook or over to our saveracing.com page. All right, very good. Well, you're welcome to stick around. we got a lot of other racing news to get to here. Uh, if you got to go, uh, we appreciate the time again. I do want to. I would love to stick around. However, we've been put in like 15 hours. <laughs> I I promised my son a couple things tonight, so I'm gonna I'm gonna bug out and put family first, if you don't mind. <laughs> All right, not a problem. Totally understand it. All right, thank you guys. Thanks, Sean. Take care, Sean. You too. All right, bye bye. Bye. Sean Stewart again. They're the executive director of the U.S. Motorsports Association. Uh, some good information there from uh, him this evening. Now, Ron, let me ask you this. Uh, if you had to wear a, uh, a mask to go racing, I know it's probably a dumb question. I know how much you hate masks, but I also know how much you like racing. Would you wear a mask? Scott, I posted on Facebook the other day that uh, small businesses are very important and I would sacrifice wearing a mask uh, to save a small business. So yeah, um, if that was mandatory. Now, obviously, I would not consider racing with a mask on because uh, it, it would inhibit your respiration. But, uh, yep. a helmet on. So that's kind of right. there. That's the mask you need right there, the Denny Hamlin one. <laughs> that, that is cool. It really is. Uh, let's talk about some racing action. Uh, that there's, there's quite a bit this past weekend and this past uh, week. Um, we'll start out with the uh, Jimmy Owens picking up uh, the win Friday's 40-lap uh, feature at Magnolia Motor Speedway. And uh, he also won Saturday's Spring Sizzler at uh, 401 Motor Speedway. Rusty Schlank got his first win of the season as well on Saturday. He raced at uh, Clarksville Speedway down in uh, Tennessee. So congratulations to him. The uh, Lucas Oil Late Model Series was back in action on Tuesday night. Jimmy Owens got another win there. He picked up his first Lucas Oil Late Model win of the season. Uh, and Kyle Bronson was the winner last night, Wednesday night, at uh, Golden Isles. The series is in action uh, again tonight at Golden Isles and then is scheduled for East Bay Raceway Park in Florida, May 25th through the 27th. So racing action going on there for those guys. And we'll talk about the, the World of Outlaw sprints and late models. They're going to be back in action as well this weekend. NASCAR racing. 
Kevin Harvick uh, earned his 50th career Cup Series win on Sunday as NASCAR returned to action at Darlington. It was kind of weird at first with no fans, and then it just it was kind of weird all day. And uh, he he really uh, he he felt totally out of place when he got out of the car, and there was. Now, I was going yeah. to say that that's about the only time it really seemed weird was when he got out of the car and was like, it's so quiet. <laughs> but other than that, the race was just a pretty much a, a normal race on TV other than the empty stands. And the, and it was kind of, the, the race itself totally. was kind of funny, Scott, because part of the race was exciting. And then other parts of it were like the cars were socially distancing, distancing themselves. <laughs> they, they just strung out and. It got pretty boring at times, and and then they'd have a caution, and things would get exciting again. Well, the Xfinity uh, race was scheduled, or the Xfinity series was scheduled to race on Tuesday night. That got rain delayed until today, and uh, they were supposed to start at noon. They didn't end up starting till about four thirty. Uh, we'll talk about that because last night the Cup Series was back in action again for the second time at Darlington. And uh, that's uh, when Denny Hamlin was able to win. And that was kind of uh, an interesting finish to that race where uh, just before that final caution came out with uh, was like 20 some laps to go. It was uh, a caution for Kyle Busch, who uh, was trying to get back in line, I guess, as Chase Elliott was passing him for the second position. And Busch just turned him right there on the straightaway. And uh, I don't think Chase Elliott was uh, too happy about that. He gave no, him the, no. the number one symbol. You know, say, hey, you're number one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, after the race, well, of course, Denny Hamlin was declared the winner with that mask on. And that was after it started raining during that caution. And there was only 20-some laps left to go. So Hamlin picked up the win. But uh, here is what... Um, Kyle Busch had to say after that uh, incident where he turned uh, Chase Elliott, where he wasn't very happy. Chase Elliott was not happy. His crew was not happy. And I guess his uh, crew chief went over and talked to talked to uh, Bush after they well, climbed out was, the car. There's a long relationship between Kyle Busch and uh, Elliott's crew chief in that uh, he used to be uh, Kurt Busch's crew or Kyle Busch's crew chief. So, it was probably best that the two of them talked it out rather than Chase going over and well, the camera picked uh, up casting, casting aspersions on Kyle's parentage. And the, the cameras picked up on the broadcast uh, at least one F word that uh, was uttered uh, during that conversation. Uh, but this well, was you'll have that. Yeah, you'll have. But here's what Kyle Bush had to say in the situation shortly after that. They're not going to go get. Uh, ice cream together anytime soon. You finished second, but a long conversation with Alan Gustafson. Walk us through what you believe took place from your side of the fence. Oh, there's no question. I know I made a mistake and just misjudged the gap. Um, you know, when we were racing there with the 11 and the nine had a run on, the, on him, I knew he was there. And uh, I knew I needed to get in line as quick as I could. And in doing so, you know, I watched him and his momentum that was going by me. And then I tried to look up in the mirror and see where Harvick was to get in. And I just misjudged it. You know, I made a mistake and uh, clipped a nine there and spun him into the wall. So I hate it for him and his guys. I mean, I got too many friends over there on that team to do anything like that on purpose. I've raced Chase since he was a kid and never had any issues with him whatsoever. So it was just um, a bad mistake on my part. And, and um, we'll just have to deal with it later on. After the debate, you, you've made your case. Do you feel like that, uh, obviously, there's hurt feelings, but do you believe that Gustafson and their side believe exactly what happened? Go ask them. Well, you had the conversation with them. How, how did he leave it? <laughs> They're upset. They're mad. I'm not just going to fix it, and we're going to have go ice cream tomorrow, yep. you know? So. Obviously, they, uh, they're going to have to dwell on it, and, and the repercussions of it I'm sure I'm going to have later on down the road. All right. Thanks, Kyle. And now, now I want some ice cream. I'm hungry for some ice cream. And some cake. Cake would be nice, too. Well, you've got Timbo's cones and such not too far down the street, so uh, when we're done, you can run over there. All right. We'll be able to get them as a sponsor. <laughs> Uh, as uh, we mentioned, the Xfinity Series uh, put on a, a great race uh, this afternoon, at least a great finish. I was kind of watching the race off and on while I was working. But uh, at the finish, Chase Briscoe was leading Kyle Busch. Again, Kyle Busch um, 
in contention. He had a uh, pit road speeding penalty that put him at the back kind of late in the race, and he worked his way back up to the front. The late caution kind of helped him out. And both him and uh, Briscoe were racing for the lead, and they slammed each other. They were racing hard, and Briscoe held on and won. It was a, a pretty good finish if you had a chance to see that. And uh, I did. There was... It was it was impressive. The post race interview was impressive. Um, NASCAR has really done well in presenting a product uh, that that's the only sporting event on TV right now. They're taking advantage of uh, the limelight, I guess, as being the only. And then they're about. doing it well. They've they've stepped on their toes a, a few times, and uh, r- right now they're doing well. And Looking forward to the Charlotte race this weekend. And uh, I guess the, from what I've heard, they had, didn't really have any big hiccups with the the broadcast, the race itself. Everything kind of went uh, as as planned with uh, without any uh, big problems. So, cool. Hopefully, uh, that I, I haven't heard uh, any of the uh, broadcast numbers. I haven't either. From, I'm curious uh, from though. yesterday, but uh, I know that Sunday's race was was enormous, huge viewership. <laughs> What else are you going to watch? Yeah, Re- replays oh, something of- like nine and a half million viewers. It was huge. Really that big? Wow, that is big. Especially oh, for Astros. Uh, as you mentioned, the uh, Cup Series back in action. Actually, all three series, NASCAR top three series, are back in action at Charlotte. Coming up, uh, starting with the Coca-Cola 600 Sunday night at 6 o'clock on Fox. That's like the first originally scheduled race that hasn't changed from the original schedule. Right. Uh, so that'll be on Sunday night, starting at six. Then the Cup Series again will race at Charlotte Wednesday night at eight o'clock on FS1. The Xfinity Series will race Monday night at seven thirty on FS1 at Charlotte, and then the trucks will race on Tuesday at Charlotte. So that's uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Four straight nights of uh, NASCAR racing from Charlotte Motor Speedway. I hope people don't burn out, but uh, <laughs> like I said, they've, they've been, been presenting a good uh, good program. So hopefully that continues there at Charlotte. Then. Uh, in some other racing news, uh, some sad news, actually. A track worker lost his life at Wisconsin Cedar Lake, Cedar Lake Speedway on Friday night after a school bus crash. The school bus uh, had rolled over and caught fire. Driver got out uninjured, and uh, the fire crew put out the fire while attempting to right the bus. A chain became dislodged and apparently crushed Edward Nicholson, who was uh, 62. He was pronounced dead at the scene. Did you hear about that? I did. Crazy stuff there. The likelihood of the NTT IndyCar Series racing in Toronto this year took a major hit on Friday afternoon. The city of Toronto announced that the permits for several major events in July and August have been canceled as Canada continues to battle the COVID-19 virus among the permits canceled was the permit for the Honda Indy Toronto, which was scheduled for July 12th at Exhibition Place. Kevin Savori of uh, event promoter Green Savori Race Promotions said they were working on potentially rescheduling the race for later in the year. A little closer to home, Sandusky Speedway. They're going to drop the green flag on the 2020 racing season coming up a week from Saturday, Saturday, May 30th, with no fans. Um, and I don't believe they're going to have the modifieds. It'll just be the support classes. We'll go through uh, the exact classes coming up a little bit later. But uh, we will be talking about some upcoming racing in our neck of the woods, our region, within the the next couple weeks here. So that's cool. Matt Swander said 6.3 million viewers for Sunday's race. Well, that's not nine. Well, it's almost nine. I think the average is like one, two, three million maybe for some yeah. races. So that's, yeah. that's pretty good. It's Thanks, phenomenal. Man. It really is. Put that up there for you. Official uh, Hammerdown Racing Report correspondent, Matt Swander, that is. Uh, Ryan Missler. AKA flag guy. Yes. Uh, did you hear about Ryan Missler? I did. Don't know the details. Fill us in. Uh, I don't know the details either. I just uh, that he posted on the uh, Ryan Missler Racing Facebook page, uh, quote, the 2020 race season is up in the air for us. Due to unfortunate circumstances, I will not be racing with last season's car owner. Grateful for the opportunity, but it's time to move on. So, and he went on to say, there's 
a chance that we will probably see him at a dirt track this year, but uh, things are kind of up in the air for a uh, yeah. former track champion there. Fatico race and that's Hart. a shame because, because he has uh, really come a long way and, and is definitely one of the top uh, contenders in our area. There's the uh, classes running at Sandusky a week from Saturday, the Renegades Pure Stocks. Midwest Compact Series series Warriors and Beginner Stock. I think they were talking about some of the Vores guys uh, were going to come over and race too. Maybe uh, Doug can shed some light on that. I thought I heard him talking about that. Maybe Rob Rim will be coming from uh, Indianapolis to race up there. Which Maybe. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Fly Rock Speedway's ARCA CRA race scheduled for June 20th has been moved to uh, Anderson Speedway in Indiana. So they continue to uh, chip away at their schedule. Cut it back, I guess you could say. Um, Eldora announced the cancellation and or slash rescheduling. I'm going to say it's a cancellation because they rescheduled the Dream, the Dirt Late Model Dream, for June of 2021. So as of this year, it's canceled. It's not really rescheduled. Mm -hmm. But they said it's rescheduled. I don't like the terminology. Well, they canceled yeah, it for if, it, if it's rescheduled, could they run two dreams next year? <laughs> could, yeah, well, it's the 26th running of the Dirtly Metal Dream. Uh, maybe next year they'll run it twice. It'll be the 26th and 27th running. Yeah, yeah. Twenty-one. rescheduled? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, also being rescheduled, the All-Stars uh, have announced, the All-Star Circuit Champions, uh, the postponement of the Ohio Sprint Speed Week, which was uh, set to be June 12th through the 20th. And uh, it's going to be, they're looking at the first part of July for the uh, new dates for that. The series has left open July 3rd through the 12th to attempt uh, those Speed Week shows, but individual track dates have not yet been announced. So hopefully we get that. And remember last year, uh, yeah. pretty crazy stuff with all the weather and uh Tracks kind of trading dates at the last minute. It was like, hey, it's not raining up here. Uh, how about you guys come up here and race tonight? And it kind of worked out, too. And it did. So, so that was pretty cool. Uh, the 2020 uh, Fremont Speedway Hall of Fame induction ceremony has been postponed. The uh, 12th annual induction ceremony was originally scheduled for Saturday, June 6th, but now that will take place along with the 2021 class Hall of Fame inductees next June. So, again, they're rescheduling. But also, it's a cancellation for this year. It's rescheduled the next year. Uh, World of Outlaw Sprints are back in action tomorrow night, Friday night, at Federated Auto Parts at I-55 Raceway. This is the weirdest name track. I don't like that one. It wouldn't be weird if you owned Federated Auto Parts. No, or the track, and you get the sponsorship money, the race, uh, yeah. the naming rights for that. But anyway, uh, 6000 to win. For uh, tomorrow night, and then Saturday is uh, twenty thousand to win. So that's pretty pretty damn big. I'm not sure it if there's fans uh, allowed there or not. I didn't uh, read into that. That'd be interesting, though, to see. Uh, the World of Outlaw Late Models are also in action uh, Friday and Saturday. They're going to be at Jackson Motorplex in uh, Minnesota, and uh, they're going to be running for the same purse as the Sprint. Six thousand on uh, Saturday, twenty thousand, uh, or six thousand on Friday, twenty thousand on Saturday. So, not a bad weekend. No, not at all. As we mentioned earlier, and I didn't put this in my notes, but uh, Merritt Speedway up there in Michigan, do you have any more information on this? They're uh, going to be running this weekend. They will be, and I understand that they will have some people in the grandstands. Now, and concessions, uh, from what I heard. Uh, Governor Whitmer's uh, edicts kind of loosened up for uh, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, as well as the Traverse City area. Uh, so they're getting out of jail before the rest of us poor folks here in the state. And uh, I, I don't, really don't know what the limits on the grandstands will be, other than that there will be grandstand seating, um, and that they have had uh, an awful lot of interest uh, I think they're going to have huge car counts both nights. I'll just uh, pull it up their Facebook page here. Uh, looks like Saturday they're going to be uh, running uh, late models, 2,000 to win, 1,000 to win for the B feature, UMP modifies pro stock, six and four cylinders, B mods, and then Sunday 
late models, B mods, factory stocks, modifier, UMP modifieds, and four and six cylinders. Scott, originally it was uh, for, uh, Saturday was going to be 1,200 to win, and uh, Sunday was going to be 2,000 to win. And I guess there is no B main transfer either night, but the uh, B mains will be paying a th basically the B mains will be paying half of what the A main purse is. Well, all right then. So I'm glad racing is coming back, at least up there. As long as we can get it down here, and then and don't yeah. get me wrong, it's there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes uh, that tracks are working with their local uh, health departments and uh, trying to get things done. And as Sean had mentioned, a lot of the health departments, what is going on at your house? My alarm system's going off. Oh, okay. That, that's Henry uh, thinking he's a badass. Uh, I thought it, thought you put your dog in the garbage disposal or something. <laughs> Bad. But a lot of tracks are working with their uh, local um health departments and i guess a lot of them are finding out a lot of the health departments don't know a lot about racing they're not very familiar with all the procedures and everything that goes on there so it's kind of a it's kind of hard to to communicate everything that's going on and and, and make them understand i think one of uh, the things i heard was uh one of the health departments asked well how many people are in the the race cars so there's kind of a disconnect. There. Well, it's kind of a family sedan thing, you know. <laughs> I got the kid in the child seat in the back, so it's all good. So last week's how many was uh, the car number of the 10th place finisher at Darlington on Sunday. And uh, do you know who that was? Who finished that? I don't. That was Matt Kenseth in the number 42. He was the 10th place finisher in his yeah, yeah. 42 car. So pretty good uh, debut, top 10 finish. Coming back after how many years of being out? Two and a half, I think. Two years. Well, he's that was out of cup competition. I believe he's still been racing at more local level, though. Some short track stuff. Yeah. So uh, I was, of course, the uh, winner for that because I guessed the uh, lowest number. Or I don't remember what number I guessed. Uh, but you won. Uh, you won. remember. That's all that's, that matters there, yeah. Our online okay. winner of a uh, Big D's Large Pizza was and you know this guy i believe i believe you might know him uh his name is steve miller really yes and he's not the joker the toker the midnight whatever you know no 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 rod miller race did you name him after that steve miller were you like how no, he was he, he was named before them oh okay steve miller's pretty old though not your son steve miller but the yeah well so is he but that's okay <laughs> So he guessed 48, and so he was closest to the 42 number there. He gets the Big D's pizza, get with Dean Henry, and uh, get that. So this week's how many, and I couldn't think of a good one this, this week, so I just came up with uh, how many laps will the last place finisher run complete in uh, the Coca-Cola 600? Mm. So like uh, on Sunday – at Dar the first race at Darlington, uh, who was it, 47? Half, half a lap. Stenhouse didn't even complete a lap. So it could be right. zero. So if you want to play along and for a chance at a Big D's Pizza, go ahead and put your guess in the Facebook Live comments. Uh, if you're listening to us on iHeartRadio or any other podcast, and it's before Sunday at 6 o'clock, you can uh, go ahead and find this uh, and type in your, your guess, and whoever guesses – Closest first will win that Big D's pizza. So basically, if, if somebody wrecks on the first lap, but they beat his car out and he runs another 30. Um, then that'd be 30. It'd be 30. Okay. That's how many laps they complete. 30. That's what you're going with? I'm surprised you don't That's go what with I'm going with. That works. I'm surprised you don't go with 35. Uh, we're going backwards. All right. We'll go with I'm going to go with eight. Really? Because I like that car number. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go with eight. Is Kathy there in there for a guess? Oh yeah, yeah. She's. 50. Ooh, wow. She's 50. going fifty. It's going on the over there. Matt Swander says four point seven. We're not going down to decibels. That would be four laps completed because you did not complete the fifth lap. 
So if somebody, I, you're disqualified. Mass Wander is disqualified. I'm giving him the black flag. He uh, he can change that though. Yeah, he can guess again. They got to be whole numbers. So uh, that's uh, the how many for this week. We'll figure out the winner next. Scott, week. during uh, during Wednesday's race, did you happen to see the uh, little fox that uh, <laughs> ran out on the track? And was that was that last night or was that Sunday? I think that was last night's race, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, Wednesday. Um, we, we my dog was making all the noise. Um, now. I think uh, some of our regular viewers will remember a couple of weeks back when my cat Barney uh, decided to make a cameo appearance. And uh, so he got some FaceTime. Anyway, that fox came on TV and Henry immediately started growling at the TV. And the cat first stood up on his back and uh, he watched, uh, watched the end of that race just to make sure the fox didn't show back up. Well, he did a good job, except for it rained, so it didn't Yeah, matter. well, <laughs> I, I didn't know that dogs and cats watch TV that much, but these two definitely do. Well, the fox didn't come back for the Xfinity race this afternoon, at least not that I, I wonder what. I wonder where they found him. I don't, he went to I the think infield. he headed off into the infield, yeah. Well, the race was on Fox, so it worked out well. Yep. So a couple of upcoming races since we're within two weeks. We'll talk about these. Uh, one is for sure going on, and the other one is uh, just not canceled yet and still may possibly happen. I know I've talked to uh, Pam out at Oakshade. Uh, she is working with the local health department out there trying to get a plan together so that uh, Oakshade can go back racing. And uh, they're still they, – as of right now, they don't they're, – they're waiting for, for more information uh, – to come back from the, the health department on their proposal. So there's, we don't have an answer as to what's happening yet, but as of right now, if everything goes as planned, uh, Oakshade uh, still has not still active on the schedule next Saturday, the 30th, a, a full show of late model sports and bombers and compacts. So uh, fingers well, crossed. Bomber guys, remember that Ron Miller race cars has your bomber tires in stock. There you go. And then uh, also, Sandusky Speedway, as we mentioned earlier, Pure Stocks, Renegades, Beginner Stocks, Weekend Warriors, um, what Doug said earlier. Pit Gates at three, Hot Laps at four, Racing at six, Midwest Ohio Cars Only, Vores Ohio Cars Only. I'm going back through the comments here. So many, here they are. Renegades, Pure Stocks, Midwest Compact Series, Warriors, and Beginner Stocks. That's what's on tap for Sandusky on the 30th. Again, uh, pits open at three, racing at six. No fans for that event. So hopefully we get the fans back soon because that, that was. No, I, I wonder. Uh, I wonder if their their local health department uh, specified uh, Ohio racers only because if that happens at a track that we mentioned just a few minutes ago, uh, I'm going to be really PO'd. I know that was a concern talking to uh, Pam, uh, but I don't know because Brush Creek ran into that problem being down by Cincinnati with uh, Kentucky drivers. Right. Unless they could show that they made their income from racing, basically claimed their, their racing and their taxes, uh, they couldn't let uh, Kentucky drivers. Well, and that's no problem here. So. So, yeah, we're hoping, like I said, there's a lot up in the air. And like Sean said earlier, things could change. Ten minutes from now, you, you never know. And uh, no, no, I understand that's not the issue uh, up at Merritt this weekend because they've got racers coming from quite a ways. I guess, yeah, yeah. I haven't heard of any limits on that, and they're far enough away from any real state lines that that's probably not something they really think of. Right. But uh, uh, something uh, next week on the show, uh, we're hoping to talk to Paul Sroof. Is that how you pronounce his name? Paul Shroof, yes. And uh, I'll let you talk a little bit about that because uh, we kind of were talking about that uh, this week. We wanted to get him on tonight, but he was uh, too busy to come on tonight's show. But Manchester, Manchester Speedway uh, used to exist uh, near Tecumseh, Michigan. Uh, back in the day, it was a big deal. Uh, a lot of local racers uh, raced up there back in the 60s and early 70s. 
the track. Uh, I don't remember when their last race was, but uh, it's it's been idle for a long time. And uh, I saw that they were uh, doing some greater work there and got excited. And uh, I don't know for sure if they're going to be reopening the track or if it's just a nostalgia thing. But uh, we'll be talking with Paul hopefully next week and uh, get a good handle on what's going on. And uh, if it's just a nostalgia thing, maybe we should point the uh, vintage racers guys that way because they've probably got some cars that uh, race there back in the day. Well, I talked to Paul a little bit this morning and I can tell you that they are having, they do a reunion, I guess, every year in August. Right. And yep. that's part of what they they get to try is a bunch of, uh, a bunch of, uh, old racers like yourself, I'm sorry, veteran racers like yourself, that Thank you. seasoned, seasoned racers like yourself that like to, to uh, talk about- uh, Experienced, experienced yeah. racers. All right, we'll go with that. Talk about, uh, you know, racing memories and everything. And uh, he also mentioned that there is another plane in place, but I'm not, I'm gonna save that as a teaser for him to tell about that. Uh, there is something else that they're trying to get done with that that track, but we'll save that for next week's show when we talk to uh, Paul Struff about that. How's that? Works for me. Does that make you I'm want to come excited. back? <laughs> I don't. I don't even know all the details. So all right. Well, that's going to do it for this uh, week's edition of the Hammerdown Race Report. Again, thanks to Sean Stewart, Executive Director of uh, U.S. Motorsports Association, for joining us earlier this evening, giving voices to the tracks, kind of a bridge between. Uh, local governments and uh, the racetracks, you know, because, like he said, it's the, a lot of uh, those in the government may not understand racing, and a lot of racing may not understand all the government stuff. So, kind of bridging that uh, that divide. Some of some of our promoters, again, that I know are watching tonight. Um, if you haven't connected with him, make sure that you do because. Uh, maybe you've got something going that could help other tracks and uh, maybe some other tracks have things going uh, that could help you get uh, your program in gear. Um, sounds like a really good group and they're well connected. I know that. And hopefully we'll have some more official announcements on some racing in our neck of the woods, uh, actual racing happening for in the near future next week. Yeah. So fingers crossed on all that stuff. I know a lot of people are ready to, to get back to the track. Thanks again to our sponsors, Ron Miller Race Cars. Don't forget, he's got those bomber tires. If you need tires, go see Ron. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dean Henry, Big D's Pizza over there in Clyde, Oakshade Raceway. We're the fastest meat to race. And uh, Kester Mowing, again, give Steve a call uh, for all your mowing, fertilizing, insect and weed control, landscaping. They do everything. 419-466-3801. Tell them Hammer Down Racer Report. Such. Oh, don't forget, you can... Uh, Save 10% off your order at Big D's Pizza if you mentioned Hammerdown Racing Report. Yeah, and while they're not sponsors yet, I got to thank the guys from Sandusky Speedway. They've always got some encouraging words and uh, some wisdom to pass along. Yeah, and Doug Dock is actually the one that uh, hooked me up with uh, Sean here for uh, this week's show. He said he said he could be our producer too. So I'm like, if he works for free, that's cool. Yeah, we'll have that. And they did, uh, I know Sandusky Speedway is working on trying to come up with a plan for live streaming that event uh, a week from Saturday on the 30th. They don't have anything in place yet. They don't want people to do their own uh, Facebook Live. I remember I saw Chris uh, talking about that in his video, but they're working on a plan to try and live stream that themselves for free. It's not a pay-per-view thing. Uh, they should have, I believe they'll have more details next week on that, probably Tuesday. They usually do a, a Facebook Live video. So look for that. I would, I that. would encourage the folks from uh, both Sandusky and from Oakshade uh, to get a hold of BCSN. Uh, I know that they have uh, programs for pay for pay-per-view, and uh, they have come a long way with, with their own video programs. Uh, anything we can do right now to get racing going again, it's worth exploring. And speaking of BCSN, and they have a lot of the online stuff, you know, they that would be good for them, too, because they're probably looking for some content. Uh, not much. Yeah, well, look what the TV coverage did for NASCAR. They had record TV audiences. So uh, the local audiences are just as hungry. 
There you go. Make sure to like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Hammer Report. Make sure to follow us on YouTube as well. Anything you do that helps us out. You can always listen to us on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I'm Scott Hammer. That's the birthday boy, Ryan Miller. Happy birthday again. Thank you. And 35. Thanks to all my friends that uh, wish me a happy birthday, uh, especially my sister. Thanks, Barb. <laughs> Again, Paul Shroof. Faithful viewer. Paul Shroof uh, will be with us next week to talk about everything going on up there at the Manchester Speedway. When did that place close down? Do you know? It was a while ago. Yeah, it was. Uh, I would think mid-70s. I, I read the history, and I don't remember. But the wall still is. I from the right. videos, there's like a old, uh, look like railroad ties, kind of straight railroad down. Walls. Those, yeah. those were the thing. Uh, I raced at Toledo Speedway when they had those. They were like was, very, very unforgiving. Yeah, that seems like that would not be fun to meet that wall. So, we'll see you next week. Listen uh, next Thursday. That's be our final May show. As a matter of fact, Ooh. Thursday night, seven o'clock, Facebook Live. We'll see you then. We 131 is in the can. Good night, okay. all. We'll see ya. Well, that's the wrong one. That's the beginning of the show. Come on, Scott. I, I just wanted to start the show over. This is the one I wanted to do. Okay, now we're leaving. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You have been listening to the Hammer Down Racing Report from the Ron Miller Race Car Studio. Listen on demand on iHeartRadio. Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 